Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here with episode 65. Uh, Oh, I think it means we can retire soon. That's pretty exciting. I'm Liam. Are you sure they haven't extended the retirement age while you haven't been watching? I think we have to wait till episode 70 now. Oh, no, I think it's like more like 85. (laughs) Lisa, it's you. You didn't get a chance to say, I'm Lisa. Hi, it's Lisa. I'll do it for you. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm good. Where's that Leanne woman? Well, she. I almost wanted to read her email verbatim, but I thought that oh, might go be a on, bit, go a bit on. unfair. <laughs> I don't have the tab ready. Hang on, let me let me bring it up. But Leanne, poor, she's she's not had a good run of appearances uh, on the podcast recently, and she is, I think, now a bit concerned about um, whether she has any leave left. But um, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday night, uh, so the day after the budget, which is the main topic we're going to sort of tackle as a as a sort of, you know, relatively not too long update in terms of our, our thoughts on it. Um, and not too long ago, only a few hours ago, uh, we got this um, slightly, um, so August, I could say slightly desperate uh, email from Leanne, which says, so sorry, I'm out for tonight. I had major dental work today that didn't go so well, so I'm off to bed with painkillers. I feel like we're this, is this kind of mocking Paul Lord Julian, yeah, which is unfortunate, but it's being compassionate. It's being compassionate. She's got a good reason to be out tonight, so we're, we're wishing. Read the next bit, though. That was shit. I get the, the funny bit. That's the funny bit. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna hold off on that, but she goes, "I'm sure I don't have any leave left, so this one will be leave without pay." Poor Leanne. But isn't it nice of us that we grant our our fellow podcasters leave without pay? I think that's right. I mean, this this surely entitles us to some sort of corporate tax cut, given how much of a good corporate <laughs> citizen we are. But um, that's not a bad segue, Lisa. Too. I wanted to actually tell you this live on air, so I haven't told you this uh, to told you this yet. But I had a pretty similar uh, major medical issue today myself. Is I I got my flu shot, Lisa. <gasps> Wow, congratulations, Thank you, Liam. thank you. I am so proud of you. I was very, very brave. It was fairly traumatic. The only thing I'm going to point out... Did you out, get a jelly thin from I the didn't. So, Lisa, in the ACT, children get this pretty, you know, incredible thing from the ACT uh, health department called a certificate of bravery. Now, I had some expectations going in. I did not receive a certificate of bravery. So, I will be Aww. writing to my local uh, member of the Legislative Assembly... In the ACT. Can I ask all of our listeners to send Liam an email saying you are a very brave boy for having a needle put in your arm? I, w- I was very brave, Lisa. I appreciate that. Did I'm... it hurt? Uh, look, it was not as bad as I recall, but then to be fair, it's been about 10 years or something since I've had one. So. Don't say that. That scares <laughs> me. Everybody, if you have not had it, if you are listening, sorry for this advertisement, if you are listening to this podcast and you have not had a flu shot, you are mad. You work with children. Go and have one now. Flu is not that n- nice little illness that gives you a few days off work and cuddled up with a hot water bottle and hot chocolate in bed. Flu is a dangerous disease. People die of it every year. Go and have a flu shot. Can I say, I mean, Lisa, you're missing the main reason that people should get it, which is because otherwise they'll get endless emails from you insisting that <laughs> in the months and months leading up to it becoming available insisting that you get it so if, unless you want but that it people, works. my advocacy works Liam. it certainly did and a, a, a rare advocacy win for the sector well done lisa <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say that 
Now I feel terrible that we never actually managed to win anything. <laughs> well, let's call this a small win. Now, if, if, yes. the ad, if the advocacy for me getting a certificate of bravery wins, we're, we're, we're on some sort of <laughs> incredible win at the moment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we, we had a planned topic for tonight, which we were going to discuss, but we'll probably come back to that next week. So what we thought we'd do tonight, uh, so looking you know listeners you're all wonderful exciting people you probably had far far better things to do than lisa and i uh last night which was uh look at the budget announcements from the turnbull government and the treasurer scott morrison uh so we thought we'd we do probably a relatively short episode tonight we don't think we'll be here for too long but probably just looking at the the federal budget the budget announcement and how it, how it impacts early childhood education uh there were i think you know, in summary, and I'll, I guess I'll start by kicking off saying Lisa's got a much better handle on this than I do, so I think I'll probably be in the role of asking stupid questions tonight while Lisa patiently walks me through them. Oh, you do that well too. That's okay. That's good. You've got to have a skill, Lisa, and I'm, I'm sticking yeah. with that one. So uh, let's let's kick right into it, Lisa. I mean, do you want to provide a bit of a, you know, I guess a really big picture overview? So for people working in the sector, what were the key things that we sort of learned last night? Okay. So we learned that the childcare package is going ahead. Oh. Maybe we already knew that. Would have been, that would have been a pretty uh, pretty dramatic announcement that, you know, <laughs> a month and a half out, you know, actually we've changed our minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing that is a little bit different is that they don't think they're going to have to spend as much money on it as they initially thought. Um, they've just shaved, oh, God, now I'm going to forget how much they've shaved off it. Um, uh, 0.7 of a billion, which is, yeah, like, given that the whole thing is 8.7 billion a year, knocking off 0.7 billion. Now, here's where I'm going to let everyone that listens to this podcast into a secret. I'm not very good with money. I'm not very good with figures. Is 0.7 of a billion, is that 700 million? Yes, so I'm going to confidently say yes. But no, you're right, because 0.7 of a million would be 700,000. 700,000. Yes. So, okay, so they've taken $700 million off it immediately. It's amazing when you're dealing with the budget. I don't know if everyone's actually looked at it, but they just don't put the end three zeros on the figures. They're all up in the headings. So you're looking at figures like 8.7 or 8 and you think, oh, yeah, that's reasonable. And then sometimes you've got to shake your head and go, that's actually billions we're talking about here, <laughs> not millions. But basically they're saying they were going to spend uh, that amount of money. They've now actually said, uh, now we've printed the budget papers, we're actually going to spend about $700 million less than we initially planned. Do we have any idea? I mean, we probably don't, but do we have a sense of why they've, they've, ran, well, they've changed, made that change? Yeah, it's either that they don't think that childcare is going to expand by as much as what they thought it was, so that you know more families aren't coming in, more days aren't being used, or they think that their package isn't going to actually cost as much. But Lisa, or, these reforms are going to make it more accessible, more affordable. This was going to get more families into more days' work, which would mean they would require more early childhood education and care. That doesn't seem to align with their thinking, well, we're probably not going to spend as much as we thought we were going to do. Well, they could also just be lying to try and get the bu- budget to um, you know, not be in deficit as much. Oh, right. Yes, that's an option too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think 
that it's probably that the uptake of childcare has dropped a little bit. Um, yeah, but we'll see next year when we see how much it actually costs them. Yeah. But the minister's still going around saying, you know, we've put $2.5 billion into to childcare, which when he says that, he doesn't mean every year. He means over the four years of the forward estimates, um, which, but it's actually not $2.5 billion, it's $2.35 billion. So what's that? $0.15 billion. What did we say that was? Is that, is that $1.5 million? 150 million. million? Yeah. Yeah. So he's exaggerating by 150 million. That's a that's that's an impressive exaggeration, Lisa. Yeah, but yeah, 2.35, 2.5, yeah. What's it it's semantics, Liam. It's semantics. <laughs> so I guess we're throwing around a lot of big numbers, Lisa. I guess what does this you know, mean for for people? Working on the form. Look, I don't think it means anything. It just means that they've put a different figure into the budget papers. Um, you know, and we'll see what they spend at the end of the year. We'll see what the actual is and then it'll tell us something. I think, you know, it's always a bit of a guess as to how much education care people will use in the year. Yeah. It's dependent upon a lot of things like, you know, housing, mortgage rates, Etc. Etc. It's an educated guess, but we'll see after the first year. I think that's the thing, and my, you know, my my general sort of feedback on that was going to be exactly that, which is this: this is always guesswork, and that's the it's been the same for Labor and Liberal governments. The cease it went back, you know, in the current system, you have childcare benefit and childcare rebate. Even just looking at expenditure on that over the last few financial years, and even going back to to Labor's time in government, it was always sort of fairly all over the shop. And governments actually, I think, have fairly little control over you know, the actual usage that's that's happening in centres and the actual spend they're going to make, it's always it's always a bit of a wild stab in the dark. Yep. <laughs> so the next thing... Go for it. The next thing is that the government decided to, you know, properly fund early education and all three-year-olds and four-year-olds will get access to 30 Yay. hours a week of free early education. I, oh, I, hang on. That was my dream, wasn't oh. it? No, sorry, I'm mixing up dreams. <laughs> Don't tease hour. our listeners like that, Lisa. <laughs> um, no, actually, it was that they didn't do anything other than put money in for the one-year um, National Quality Partnership on Universal Access, which the minister announced in February. Um, so we basically run out of preschool money at the end of the calendar year 2019 and have to go through the whole thing again. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points to, to, to pick up here. and We will definitely have a longer episode on the National Partnership Agreement for preschool access, I think fairly soon, because this is this is a pretty live issue. I'm just going to, I would direct people to the the government's, the, the Education Department's page on the National Partnership Agreement, because it is incredibly telling. It lists the 2018 National Partnership Agreement on universal access as being under finalisation. Now, if the, if the number 2018 sounds familiar to people, that's because that's the year we're basically halfway through and we don't actually have that partnership agreement finalised yet. Now, it is referring, I think, mostly to, you know, some some sort of fiddling around, you know, exactly who's paying what. But that's fairly damning that we have this is still under finalisation. And 
I think we want to be careful in terms of what Simon Birmingham is trying to be trying to spruik a bit today is that the announcement that you know there would be um, sort of additional funding is is largely a bit of a myth because it, all that is is all it says for now is that this 2019 National Partnership Agreement is under development. There's no conception at all about what that will cost. And actually, if you look at the the budget no, papers, no, the money is actually allocated to it. No, it's not. Not well, not yes, in is. not in the actual budget papers. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's just yeah, hidden it, somewhere it's else. Buried down. It, it's hang on. If you give me a minute, I can tell you exactly how much it is. Yeah. Well, I think while you're doing that, but I think this is. I think I, I, I hope that you know probably an election's not too far away, and I really hope this is a pretty significant part of the election campaign for Labor and the Liberal government. This it is absolute insanity that this this critical sort of funding to ensure access to preschool across Australia is just continually going in these fits and starts, one year sessions, um, one year extensions, while you know a program like the school chaplains which is, you know, chaplains based in schools, have just been given guaranteed funding for at least the next four years, I think. I mean, this really says something pretty <laughs> dire about the straight, the state, you know, of our education system, I think. Yep. It's $441.6 million and it takes it till the end of the 2019 year calendar year, so the end of you know, next calendar year, and then there's money in... 2022, um, uh, like do a data collection on it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but yep. I think the, I mean, the, pro- the problem with these agreements has always been the detail of actually hammering out the agreement, which is why the 2018 one still isn't finalised, is because the money, they may have sort of caught, uh, partitioned off that money, but it's a bit of a, that, that again is more guesswork because they, the entire sense of the last, particularly probably the last 12 months from Simon Birmingham, or at least since the last election, has been that he's pretty unhappy with how much the the states are either chipping in or how they're spending it. So I actually think, to me, even though there's that money put aside there, there's a huge question mark about just this government's commitment to that funding. Yep, for sure. And I think that part of it actually exists in the next thing, which is their commitment to um, uh, to national partnerships per se, because the other national partnership, the national partnership um, agreement on early education, early childhood education and care quality, this is the partnership, like, in 2009, all the states and territories, when they were all Labor states and territories, signed two national partnership agreements. One was the universal access to pre- to early education that we've just talked about, and the other one was the National Quality Agenda one. And that's the one that set up the NQF. And although the big money to the states came to the universal access one, the national partnership, the initial national partnership um, on quality was a wonderful thing to behold because it's the one that enshrined the better ratios for under two-year-olds. It's the one that enshrined, you know, the existence of the NQF and the, um, you know, the um, moving towards national regulations and having an early years learning framework and a framework for school-aged care. So all of those things came because of this agreement. As part of that agreement, the feds gave the states a 
you know, a little bit of money, not big money, to help them um, cover the costs of doing this, of changing to a national uh, regulation and law of, you know, implementing assessment and rating system. And bingo, out of nowhere last night, this just disappeared. So last year, in last year's budget, it said, you know, oh, there's no money, you know, further than next year because we're still negotiating with the states. And this year it just disappeared. So that actually was quite a shock to the states and territories. And I understand that Birmingham sent them a letter last night or yesterday um, not renewing that national partnership. Now, a sequel um, did get um, funding, but there's um, for two years, so they'll still be funded. But the states just won't have that um, money from the federal government to help with assessment and rating. But more than that, to keep all the states committed to the process of national regulation and improving the quality of education and care. So that's really kind of sad. Now, it's not, I don't think it's as sad or as scary as some of the newsletters that have come out from the sector today have talked about. Like, it's not the, the end of quality and a waste of all the effort we've put in over the years. But it is something that's not very nice because whereas we're all in this together... It's now, without that national agreement, it's left us all supporting the national quality framework off our own backs as states and territories. Now, I suppose it's kind of okay because, as Scott Morrison found out when he tried to dismantle it all, it's also now firmly in law, etc., that to unpick it would be a major job. And if Scott Morrison can't do it, then you, you're pretty you know, sure that nobody could. So that's why I don't think it's as scary, but it's still, you know, it just, it goes to this government's lack of interest in the sector. Yeah, I think you're right, Lisa. I think, you know, on, on its own, uh, this, this agreement isn't a huge amount of money we're talking about and the outcomes are... Um, fairly, you know, they're, they're kind of value statements around um, committing to quality development and those kind of things. Um, I would, for those who have um, who have not read the actual partnership agreement, I'd, I'd, I'm going to include a link to it. And just, I mean, if you can get past the very bizarre font choices on that document, uh, you're doing well. It's almost designed to not be read. It is utterly strange. It looks like it was kind of written in some combination of 1974 and the far future. It is very, very strange. But... Um, I, I, I like I, seeing all the signatures of the people on it. Like, you know, Kevin O'Seven's up there with his signature. <laughs> I know. You sort, of, you sort of wonder how many of those people, you know, uh, there aren't too many of those people still kicking in politics at the moment. But um, no. Uh, but the, I think I, I probably got, I'm a bit more doom and gloom about it than you are, Lisa, because I think this is, I think Simon Birmingham uh, is probably a lot, uh, a lot less dramatic, but a lot cleverer than his colleagues. So you're right, Simon Birmingham couldn't unpick it, neither could Susan Lay. I think Birmingham's realised that he doesn't really need to be 
making a case for. He doesn't really need to go out and tell anyone. He doesn't disagree. He, he's got control of some of these funding levers. So he's he's continued to stitch up the the preschool funding agreement and he has demonstrated no commitment to that funding whatsoever it's fairly clear he doesn't like it he's also now with you know with very little pomp and circumstance just said look we're not continuing this and um from what i can read on the uh the the appropriate website is that funding will end at the end of this uh, calendar year so 31st of december yep this year um so look will you know will the sector fall over on 1st of january 2019 no but the but it I think it's also important to remember the context of when this was signed. So when the the national uh, when the partnership for the national quality agenda was signed in two thousand and nine, it was wall to wall Labor governments. So it was pretty easy to get this over the line. And the benefits of sort of holding these people together as governments change, we have a mixture now of conservative and um, Labor governments. You know, the, this is sort of just one more unpicking that you're right. Just points to a, a real a real drive to to undermine and. Um, and sort of start to, you know, get the sector to sort of fall in on itself a little bit because we do need to remember as well that there are still a number of very significant changes that are part of the National Quality Framework rollout. We're going to look to, you know, um, outside of New South Wales particularly because they, that, um, because some of these requirements are already there, but, you know, more early childhood teachers they will need to be in centres um, in 2018, at the end of um, 2018 and 2020. Um, there, you know, there's still a few ratio changes to come without incentives of the states to really do this. Or what we're looking at in the best case scenario is, you know, more more extensions, more waivers, and the time frame will be pushed out again. Um, or that, you know, some states start to go, you know, is this worth it? When, when you know, we're potentially not seeing the outcomes we want. This is all too hard. And this was, this was a means of, of getting people on board to, to go over the line. I, I'm pretty disappointed by this. And, um, and I completely missed it from the budget stuff last night. It was, it was, it was pretty expertly tucked yeah, away. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I think that that's definitely one to watch. And I, I for one, will be very interested to see what the states and territories do about that. Will they, um, you know, they may look at, you know, can they do an agreement without the feds? They may look at, you know, doing some sort of arrangement themselves or that they just, it becomes a bit more, you know, individual state by state, which is depressing because the entire point of the national quality framework was getting the states to have the same system. Um, yeah, I think uh, since it was signed, we have had some differences and some of them are really small, but there's some horrible things even in the last regulation um, yeah. changes that gave some states the right to basically do what they want in some yeah. small areas. So, yeah. yeah, that would be disappointing. Um, is there anything else you think you know educators, professionals, leaders should know from the budget? Last night. No, I think they're the main things. You know, like we could go through some of the things from other portfolios. We could go through all the things that were missed. But, um, you know, I think it's really interesting if you go on, like, you know, last year the Department of Education had lots and lots of glossy brochures all about <laughs> wonderful childcare package, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that it's highlighted on its own website about the budget for early education is that there's been an extra $11.8 million given to the Early Learning Languages Australia trial. Mm. So, um, But it's mo most of that is so it can be extended to 300 schools, not even early education centres. So, yeah. 
And if you look at that 11.8 million and all the figures we've been throwing about have been percentages of billions, yeah. then, yeah, like... It's... And I've got to say, you know, not to not to appear cynical, Lisa, which I know is something I always try and avoid uh, appearing, but... Um, Sorry. That, that, yeah, that ELL, the ELLA, so the Early um, Learning Languages Funding, that to me has Froth and bubble. Fro- bubble. And, and and I'll go further than that, Lisa. That to me has always been there just so Birmingham has something to point to to go, no, I do value early learning. What are you talking about? Look at this program I fund. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, that I'm sure it's a worthwhile program. I'm sure services are getting a lot out of it. I'm sure there are wins for children there as well. But that is the only thing that this government has implemented off its own bat. It's the only new initiative they have put in, and it is the only thing they refer to when they're Liam, doing... Liam, Liam, Liam. Yeah, they've got the jobs for families oh, well, package. Yes, let's 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 not let's not talk about that. But as a you know, as a, as hey a, Liam, as a I was at a service yesterday. Yes, or I was with a bunch of services yesterday in Mount Druitt, and Mount Druitt in New South Wales is. Um, a suburb where oh, can I find the figure? Maybe I can. Um, where thirty three percent of kids in the the area start school developmentally wow. developmentally vulnerable. Yeah. All right. So thirty three percent are vulnerable on the um, the ADC. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was there and I was talking to one service, which was an Aboriginal service, and they'd calculated that something like 38% of their families were going to be eligible for less education and care than they are now. Yeah. Yeah, it's infuriating. So it's an Aboriginal service in a low-income area where the children are already developmentally vulnerable and 38% of their, um, of their children are going to be struggling to keep up the same amount of access as they do now. Yeah. And look, and I think, you know, and, you know, segueing that into, you know, the, the budget stuff. So budget's all about choices, about the money we spend. And I, I, I saw a tweet yesterday, I think, where someone had highlighted, um, might have been the parenthood or someone, was highlighting, you know, 25% of families and children will be worse off under this, uh, under, under the Jobs for Families package. And, you know, someone tweeted them back going, well, yes, but 75% would be better off. Let's, can we, maybe we could look at being, you know, the glass, uh, you know, being 75% full. And, you know, that, that argument infuriates me because the 25% that are going to suffer, the majority of those are going to be the ones who can least afford to lose access to, to more early child education. They're already struggling. They're already at their wit's end. And they will be the ones that most benefit from early child education. That's what, you know, that's what I was, I spent a lot of time this week re-going over the nitty gritty of this, preparing for this session in Mount Druitt. And I was just shocked anew as to how how difficult it, it will be for a lot of people to actually understand, you know, they won't comprehend the questions they're asking on the Centrelink website, no. what impact that has on how much childcare funding they get. Yeah. You know, they'll just answer the questions, you know, without having that background knowledge we do. You know, that's even if they, you know, I was asking these services yesterday, how many of your families have actually gone on to their MyGov accounts and stuff like that? And I was hearing stories of, you know, passwords lost, 
families having two MyGov accounts, families, you know, and, like, I think out of, you know, eight services or something, we had about, you know, 20 families that have already gone and, <laughs> and, and you know, done the action that they need to do to get the childcare subsidy. Yeah. Yes, I think July 2 is going to be a very interesting day. I, I doubt it's going to go well as uh, the department probably hope it's going to go. Now, yeah. before we wrap up, Lisa, we might just do one quick... Uh, we might try... This might, may, might help us end on a positive. But um, as you're listening to this on Friday, yesterday, uh, Bill Shorten would have given his budget in reply speech, which is basically where the opposition leader sort of sets out their alternative vision uh, for the budget and, I guess, you know, a kind of, you know, a summary version of the budget they might have given. So... Uh, but we're recording this on Wednesday, so uh, Bill Shorten hasn't given that speech yet. So, Lisa, you know, if you were um, either the leader of the opposition or if you were writing Bill Shorten's speech for him uh, on Thursday night, what kind of things would you be suggesting he include? In early education and care or generally? Um, I mean, if you want to give him some general things, you know, just for me. But no, maybe I, think, I think he'd just say that it's all a bit of a fantasy budget. Um, I really liked Ross Gittins, um, the Fairfax journalist's summing up of the budget, which is, look, it's just none of it's going to happen. It's all just crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, but Amanda Rishworth, the Federal Shadow Minister, who we've had on the podcast before, we said have. Government, uh, the, the government had an opportunity tonight to demonstrate its commitment to early education by providing long-term funding for the National Preschool Program. And then she had a, um, a, a screenshot of the fact that there was no funding there. And she said, there's no funding. And Simon Birmingham quickly came back to her and said, you didn't even have preschools in your, in your policy, you know, in your policy document. Now, I'm not exactly sure what policy document he was talking about, but... You know, I'd just like it if um, if Shorten talked about the fact that, um, you know, if he just picked that, those two, well, not even to go into the national partnership stuff because that's kind of like pretty, you know, um, hard to explain stuff. But if he just said they didn't fund three-year-olds, they didn't, gives you know early education more than one year agreement this is unacceptable and they've left their childcare package in there and we'll just see how that plays out given that they've admitted themselves that 25 percent of families will be worse off yeah excellent yeah i agree it seems kind of crazy that in australia right now a win for advocacy would be just ensuring that the current things we have could continue for a bit longer. But, you know, if we could get Labor nailed down on those, that would be great. The only probably thing I would add um, would be investment in both a workforce strategy for educators and a commitment to solve the problem of pay. Um, and wages oh, for some, educators. Can we throw in some professional development as well? Why not? This is we're writing this speech, Lisa. So why don't we say okay. yes? All right. Well, well, we hope that was helpful for people navigating. You the know budget. what? Actually, sorry, Liam. And if I was short, and I'd also just throw in a you know, little thank you, educators, for all you do for the young, very young people of Australia. And I hope that one day you'll all get what you deserve. You know, the great thing about that would be, Lisa, is revenue neutral. That costs nothing. Just to say thank you. 
All right. Well, we hope that uh, sort of uh, quick look at the budget was helpful for everyone out there. We'll be back with a full episode uh, next week. And until then, it's goodbye from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leah McNicholas and produced by Leanne McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com. And while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.